You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica, so... If that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 81. I feel like I'm starting to get pretty good with numbers. I got Eric Rodsep. Is that correct? You got it. Oh, my God. You know what? I, I should start asking people more often before I start the show. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Excellent. It's a... Uh, not as cold day here in Pennsylvania. I know you guys don't worry about that down there, but uh, you know we got to worry about the snow up here in uh, early April. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it is a uh, wonderful uh, sixty-eight degrees right now, so uh, mm. it is uh, nice and warm. But we do have some wind going on down here in North Carolina. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not uh, too too windy. Uh, yeah. Just. Uh, I want to say about a week ago, the gym I just joined, they had the garage doors open with the fans kind of like, man, that's really cool. And then like a day later, it's snowing. <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? Like, I'd be cool if it was just cold or just warm, preferably just warm. But like, this up and down stuff, man. It, it really sucks. You know, there's a saying in North Carolina, you don't like the weather, just, you know, wait 45 minutes and you'll be in a different season. So <laughs> and we, we change it up quite frequently, too. So actually, this weekend, we're going to be having a frost warning. So, uh, yeah, we're not done with the freezing temperatures yet here either. So, oh, my God, that's awful. So um, I guess the uh, reason we kind of linked up is because you're part of the uh, liberty movement, much like myself. Uh, let's uh, kind of start off. What brought you to the liberty movement? What brought me to the Liberty Movement? Well, that's actually kind of a, a circuitous route. Uh, 
So actually, I used to work for uh, one of the old parties. Um, I <clears throat> did. Uh, I worked for a prominent U.S. Senate campaign and a presidential campaign back in 2000. Uh, and when that individual was starting to put together uh, the staff after uh, it looked like everything was going to have him in the White House, um, uh, they decided that they didn't want me on their team uh, because I'm GSM. And the Christian Coalition was kind of pushing to make sure that uh, I was not on the team. And I realized that I wasn't leaving the party. The party was leaving me. It was an evolution, especially the fact that at the time I was living up in New York and uh, the Republican Party in New York was far more libertarian than the Republican Party anywhere else in the country already. So I was already quite liberty minded. And that's when I started finding out about the Libertarian Party. And couple years forward, I mean, I left the Republican Party. I became an unaffiliated voter. Uh, I even played around with being a Democrat for a short time and realized that their fiscal policy is just not my fiscal policy. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was it was a tough shoe to put on. Yeah, that, that's like a, a staple of the uh, Democrat uh, platform is to have the most see how bad you can be on fiscal policy. And now obviously both parties are about the same at this point when it comes to fiscal policy. But like, I think that's a staple of being a Democrat is having the worst fiscal policy in the world. So I'm sorry to interrupt that. Oh, no, no, you're fine. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm ardently uh, Austrian, uh, econ an economist here. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, yeah, that was, that was a really hard shoe to put on. Uh, but I, I do love certain aspects of it, but it, it was, sure. yeah, it, it was, it was not for me. <laughs> Uh, and then I found the libertarian movement, uh, and I played around with it a little bit. I, I went to a couple of meetings up in New York, uh, up in the Suffolk County area, but I didn't really become very active, uh, until I moved down to North Carolina. And that was back in 2007. I went to our state fair. I met up with, uh, Susan Hogarth and, uh, Barbara Howe, who's a, a very important libertarian here down in North Carolina. She's run for governor and Senate and basically you name it, she's run for it. Uh, and they convinced me to start getting involved, uh, because I had political background experience. I've done legislative writing. I've done a lot of stuff. And, uh, and the fact that I was, I was liberty minded already, it was a perfect fit. Uh, so I started getting involved in, in North Carolina. Of course, you know, once you start volunteering for the Libertarian Party, then it, it becomes part of your life. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, how I got involved in the Libertarian Party. Uh, fast forward uh, at that point, uh, 13 years, and I run for at large on the LNC. Uh, I've been serving in that capacity for the last two years, and now I'm running for vice chair. So uh, it's uh, it's a never-ending uh, uphill climb, I guess. Uh, but it's been amazing, uh, and the changes I've seen in the Libertarian Party uh, over the last 15 years at this point has been absolutely amazing. Uh, and there are more and more people coming into the Liberty Movement. I'm excited to see where this is going, and. I see nothing but positive things from, from the Libertarian Party at this point. Absolutely. I agree completely. Um, I am here in Pennsylvania, as I said earlier, and the LPPA convention was full of a lot of great people. And 
there are certain people who are perhaps frustrated with the uh, direction the Libertarian Party is going in, and I understand that frustration slightly, but you delegitimize yourself when you storm out, throwing your middle finger up in the air and telling people to go fuck themselves and all, all this stuff like that. Because if you really feel that the party's worth fighting over and you're going to throw a temper tantrum over it, then maybe you should consider some of the tactics that these people that you don't like are doing and maybe bring more people in. Because honestly, and I don't know if you've kept up with any of the drama in the recent days on Twitter, but um, there's an individual who I used to like, but he's kind of, I think, losing his mind a little bit. Um, it, it's very unfortunate because it's like, I don't want these people to leave. I don't want there to be this divide. I think we are much stronger together if you're a good libertarian. Obviously, caveat that. Um, we're much better together than we are apart. So I don't like seeing the division in the liberty movement. We should all be one force fighting forward. You know, it's more important than just the party. It's about liberty. Exactly. I mean, I have a saying that I've said around the country many, many times is that if you get eight libertarians into in a room, six of them will give you 12 different opinions and two of them will ask if they're being detained. And, uh, you know, and that's what it is. You know, I yeah. mean, you, there are so many ways to interpret the liberty movement. Uh, we just need to become better at agreeing to disagree uh, right. and realizing that there are still a vast majority of the goals that we all have in common and work together on those goals. And when the divisions come up, then maybe we can have a little bit of a deeper conversation on which way to head. But there is so, I mean, fighting the omnipotent state in this country right now, there is so much to do and we agree on so much. Let's work on that together and move forward with the needle of liberty because otherwise we're just spinning our wheels. Yeah, we don't really stand a chance if we don't kind of set aside the petty stuff. Yeah. Um, one thing that I really liked that you said there was kind of focused on the common ground there. And um, I've become good friends with Reed Coverdale, and he kind of was a, I don't, how do I put this on? Somebody who was really pushing for liberty unity, right? So um, I consider myself more of like a socially conservative libertarian, right? So I, I am very <laughs> vanilla, if you will, right? I like drinking a glass of whiskey, but I mean, I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. Um, I come home to my fiance and our dogs. We're getting married in November. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I work a blue collar job. It's a very traditional life. And I think that's, that's where I fit the best. Right. Mm -hmm. And the best activism that I can do, I feel from a Liberty standpoint is by giving people like yourself and other Liberty activists, a platform, and also, you know, helping out in my local affiliate. That's my best capacity. That's the best way I could serve. If we all kind of just shut up and stay in our lane in that kind of regard, and you know, it's okay to like criticize the ideas, but understand where you're most useful and just thrive at that. We'd be much better off rather than arguing about if it's okay to remove people with the police at playgrounds or something like that. Like this is dilatory BS that nobody cares about. It really is. I mean, I love the argument. The, uh, the argument is wonderful because by having that type of impassioned conversation, our ideas and our skills of spreading liberty become better right. but there is a point where it becomes detrimental and that's where we're at right now right. Uh, so we have to balance it we have to find what level is beneficial and what level is detrimental and we've tipped the scale a little bit too far we need to work together and that's the way to move the 
the party forward. I mean, uh, I, I, I like to consider myself a bridge builder. When I ran for uh, the at-large position in uh, Orlando two years ago, I was, I was the first person ever to receive the uh, nomination or endorsement of the Pragmatic, the Radical, and Mises Caucus. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I work with people. Mm-hmm. I understand where you're coming from. I see that common ground, and I want to work with people. Now, in the last two years, I've become a monthly donor to Mises Caucus, uh, and I am a monthly donor to the Radical Caucus as well. But I mean, yes. So I am a member of the Mises Caucus. It's it. Look at what is being accomplished right now. It is phenomenal. I mean, if you look at membership, membership is being driven. They're able to sell the message, and the message is important. That's where we need to go. Right. Absolutely. And I am a member of the Mises Caucus as well. And I, you know, say that out loud all the time. But it's. The, the thing that frustrates me the most with people who detract from that is that they're failing to do the same thing that they're criticizing the Mises Caucus for. If you have a problem, once again, with the way that they're doing things, recruit more people. Because if you believe this party is worth fighting for and the cause is worth fighting for, which, I mean, if, if you call yourself a libertarian, then obviously that's the ultimate cause is fighting for liberty and freedom. Um, then get more, you know, Get more people involved, get more people speaking out about the issues, bring more people to meetings, you know, speak about the issues that you care about to get the message out there and bring people in. And then if you feel like you need to take the party back over, then just do it. But if you're not going to, then, you know, do whatever you can serve or do whatever you feel is best to spread the message or work for Liberty in your own capacity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's it's who can sell the message. And also at the same time, you know, I was in Pennsylvania last year when the, the kerfuffle happened. And yeah. uh, it, there's no surprise. The Mises Caucus was growing even then. It didn't grow in time for that co- convention. But there was no surprise that the Mises Caucus was going to come back the next year, bigger, stronger, and better. It gave them an entire year to put the rubber on the road and implement a similar growth pattern it didn't happen so you know i i get it i i understand there's there's hurt feelings i don't want anyone to have hurt feelings i want everyone to work together but i mean it it isn't a they them issue it it's all of us need to come together and make liberty happen i mean all of us look at the statements of principles in the party and like i said before ending the omnipotent state in our lifetime is everyone's goal in this party. And that's what we need to work towards. Right. And with the whole LPPA convention last year, um, there was a lack of preparation really on the Beast Caucus's part. And some people may not like that I said that, but, you know, there's that ridiculous bylaw where you have to be a member of the state or a member of the party for six months in order to vote. And I understand that they waived it every single year, but, there wasn't an explanation on the Mises Cox part as far as I saw. They just kept saying, oh, well, you know, it always gets waived. Probably should have went a little bit further and said, like, hey, it's possible that they may pull some – they may do something out of the ordinary and not waive this rule. And nobody was, like, bummed about it. I mean, yeah, there were angry people. But, like, look what got accomplished regardless without even us being in charge. Um, the part We elected 176 people throughout the freaking state. 
I mean, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I went to the Mises Caucus rally afterwards uh, yeah. that night, and uh, you had um, David uh, Dave Smith talk, and and you had a whole bunch of other people uh, on the dais talking, and it was already talking about growth and development, and there was no, oh, how dare they? There was none of that. It was okay. Where do we go now? How do we continue to develop? How do we continue to grow? And it wasn't just the Mises Caucus. It was the party that they were talking about. And that's the type of attitude. That's the type of growth that we need to have in the party. I understand. It's There's an old guard mentality with some individuals. This is the way we've always done everything. But we are a small evolutionary organization we have to be able to turn on a dime and become better than we've ever come before and sometimes we have to let go of some of the old ideas of how to do things as long as we never sacrifice our principles we can move forward and drive forward liberty and that's what it boils down to absolutely so kind of touching back on where you started um you were in new york for a bit correct yeah, I'm, oh. I'm born and raised in New York. I moved down to North Carolina in 2007. That was probably the best move you could have made. <laughs> oh, it really was. It really was. I mean, the taxes that I've saved is uh, is like giving myself a fifteen, twenty thousand dollar pay increase right there. Jeez, good lord! Yeah, yeah the only thing I would uh, kind of knock you on is uh, not being able to help out Larry Sharp because Larry Sharp is like one of the greatest human beings alive. Well, you know, I, I'm a supporter of his on Patreon. Uh, oh, that's awesome. He's getting my money uh, yeah. so he can accomplish the great things that he that Larry Sharp does up and down on New York in upstate, in the city, and out on the island. So uh, Larry Sharp's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I talk about him all the time, but he is probably one of the greatest libertarians alive right now. And it's not because he's partisan or anything like that. He just sincerely cares about the issues. And he'll do whatever he can to, you know, make Liberty win. And I just, I have so much admiration for him because he's one of the guys that kind of brought me into the libertarian movement um, initially back in like 2014. I, I want to say it was my brother kind of introduced me to him, Austin Peterson, even though he's no longer part of the libertarian party and uh, some other libertarian thinkers. But, uh, you know, he was kind of the ones that always stuck with me and I've always been a huge, you know, admirer of his. Um, so kind of going back to the beginning though, with the GOP in New York, did you kind of do anything with the GOP in New York? Yeah, I, I was uh, involved not so much on the state level. Well, I ran statewide campaigns, or I was on staff. I was on staff with uh, statewide campaigns, mm -hmm. uh, but I was also very active uh, within the Republican Party on Long Island, uh, and did a lot. You know, uh, worked heavily with Caesar Tronzo and and a whole litany of individuals. Um, actually, that was. Uh, I got my start there in, in 1996. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that goes back a long, long time. So, uh, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was it was, it was was a great place to cut my teeth and learn um, uh, how the old parties do it. Uh, obviously, I don't agree with a lot right. of what they do. Uh, yeah. And I've evolved since then politically and and uh experientially but uh yeah no i mean it was it was definitely a good 
good way to to figure out how the system works and sure. why it really needs to change. Because... Absolutely. So yeah, the kind of reason why I wanted to talk about that in particular is because um, I've had friends that have tried to convert me over to working with the GOP here in Pennsylvania, but I, I just can't. These guys are such a freaking joke. I mean, it, it's embarrassing how bad the GOP is. And they're saying, oh, well, you could just make it better. But the, the thing I'm not willing to give up on, and I mean, I have big names that are like paleo libertarians coming at me with this stuff. Um I'm not willing to give up the Libertarian Party specifically here in Pennsylvania because we have such a strong presence. I mean, Kate Crosby's a mayor. I know we have another mayor. Um, my friend Nate Job had um, he had almost beat a 20-year incumbent mayor, but he missed it by 10 votes. An incumbent. So why would I work with the GOP who on one of their platforms wanted to raise the pay for election day workers? make election day a holiday and persecute people who attack the police um persecute that as a hate crime right like we need any more hate crimes um why would i work with these clowns when i can work with the libertarian party who is winning here in pennsylvania i don't want to hear the stuff about they can't win no we that's wrong absolutely <laughs> so well, um, I mean, but yeah. also remember the gop sells a false bill of sale repeatedly yes look what happened to the tea party does anyone even remember the Tea Party any longer? The no, Tea Party been eaten by the by the elephant, and and they're a pile of brown stuff half a mile down the road at this point. They're gone. It and any libertarian that I feel uh, is going to sell themselves out and go and work with the you know go in back into the Republican Party or join the Republican Party, more power to them. But they have to understand that this is an organization that is exact, doing exactly what it has done time and time again. It takes liberty movements, incorporates them into themselves, nothing ever changes, and it's business as usual. And it never, ever moves forward. The needle always moves back. It never moves forward because that's the way they've designed the system. Absolutely. And you look at someone like Thomas Massey, who is, for all intent and purposes, um, a libertarian through and through. What happened when he tried to be principled? Or I shouldn't even say tried. He was principled when it came to stimulus spending. Donald Trump, who's the main guy that everybody said he's the most libertarian president ever. What they say? They said he should be thrown out of the GOP because he said, no, I'm going to force a vote if you want to do all this ridiculous spending. Yeah. And he's one of the good guys in there. And they said he should be thrown out because he said, hey, maybe we shouldn't spend like a bunch of freaking socialists. Are you kidding me? JFK was 10 times the libertarian that Donald <laughs> Trump ever was because JFK warned of ever leaving the gold standard, which Nixon did. Yep. And JFK always talked about making sure that the American people paid as little and ultimately no taxes because that's the engine that drives the economy of the United States. JFK is more libertarian than Donald Trump. And that's a statement unto itself. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not like that's a very high bar to uh, hop over. And uh, <laughs> it, it's, um, it frustrates me so much because I understand the sentiment of Donald Trump from 2015 to 2019, right? Make America great again. Cause there's something powerful about that. And it resonated with a lot of people. And look, as a mechanic, my hands are calloused and I, I work a blue collar job. 
I, I'm a home inspector by uh, day in, day out. My so, so you, you know, blue-collar people love Trump, and, and his message resonated with people. But the problem is, eventually you got to realize this dude had pulled the rug out from underneath you, right? What happened to we're going to end all the wars? Well, a lot of them actually got worse. In fact, we killed more people. The U.S. government killed more people by drone strikes in the first two years of Trump's presidency than Obama did in his entire eight-year presidency. And then he attacked Biden for bringing home the troops in Afghanistan. Granted, it wasn't done the right way, Yeah, but at least he tried. You know, I mean, it's more than Donald Trump ever did. Right. And it's pretty sad when you have this walking corpse (laughs) as our president (laughs) now that, that can end a war that Trump had kept saying and continually said that we got lied into, but nothing ever changed. Right. What does that say about you? If the decrepit corpse that's leading our country now (laughs) was able to end the war, but you weren't able to, Um, and people talk about the election fraud. And I, I think the election was rigged, but I don't think it was stolen. Right. Where Democrats make districts so it's easier for them to mobilize voters and get votes right it's rigged in that regard republicans are too stupid to do anything in their favor like that so um and then seeing trump in 2020 trying to tell people that everything's so great look at this economy i gave you and people are locked in their homes or they lost their businesses that they had for years and years and years it's a slap in the face especially for people my age right i'll be 28 um, people my age are settled up with debt to their freaking eyeballs from school. And it's not his fault, right? I mean, it's it's the government's fault overall. Um, and then you're telling them, oh, everything's great. Everything's great. We made America good. Let's keep America great. It, it's not great. <laughs> eventually, you have to admit that. Yeah, no, it, it, it was it was a sham and a, a false bill of sale from the very beginning. It was a great story, but yeah. that's all it was. It was just a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then now as we're going forward, it, it's it, it's funny because Joe Biden is almost like the same kind of character, like 10 years older and a lot less enthusiastic because he's trying to tell us that the economy is great. And it's like, OK, well, you know, I drive a cobalt, right? I'm a low brow fucking dude. I, I have a manual transmission cobalt with roll up windows. The damn thing costs 50 bucks to fill up, right? And I understand that's not entirely his fault either. There's plenty of other things that go into that. And some of it was 2020 where they arranged these gas deals, whatever. Like, I like to eat meat too, right? I eat lots of freaking steak. That shit's really expensive too. You can't tell me everything's great when the dollars that I had two years ago don't go anywhere near as far as they do now. So. You could say, okay, we're trying to make things better, but don't tell me shit's great. Like, <laughs> you're, you're gaslighting me. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, there is nothing that's great. I mean, the real estate market is, is not healthy. The, the transportation network in our country is failing under the Department of Transportation and Department of Commerce. Education is failing under the Department of Education. Uh, energy solutions are failing under the Department of Energy. Every single thing, the government has put its fingers in so many pots, and every single one of those pots is going boiling dry at this point. There's nothing left. And that's a huge, huge problem. And we have to make sure that we start returning things back to free market. Now, you can't do it overnight, because otherwise, you're just going to, you know, break the pot. But yeah, it's it, it's a problem, and we're we're slowly destroying America by ignoring 
the underlying cause and just looking at the surface reactions. And it's a huge, huge problem. And a big thing that the Libertarian Party needs to start talking about on a regular basis. Uh, you know, we have to have real conversations and we have to present it in such a way that Americans are going to listen to it. And that's a huge problem right now because everyone's so entrenched in their own parties that they tune everyone else's out, noise and point fingers and yell fake news or Nazi or whatever, and nothing ever gets done any longer. It's absolutely detrimental to the future of this country. Absolutely. So I listened to you, I believe it was on Will or Will or David Fight show. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of liked some of the stuff you were talking about when it came to um, making the LNC a little bit more clear in the duty of its members, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're running for vice chair, correct? Correct. Yep. And you're supported, you were endorsed by Angela McArdle, who I absolutely adore, and she's been on this show, and she's going to be returning in about a week or two. Yes. Um, so can you kind of elaborate what the cluster is that is the LNC? Because as you kind of laid out, it doesn't seem very clear. Like to anybody else looking out in, it doesn't seem like we can clearly define what, okay, an at-large rep does versus the vice chair, secretary, treasurer, chair. Um, you know, you seem to want to make that a little bit more cohesive. So can you kind of elaborate on your plan there? And sure. obviously your duties as ch- vice chair. Absolutely. Uh, and I have a complete strategic plan. If you go to my Facebook page uh, or Twitter page, there are links to my strategic plan that'll go really in depth into this. Uh, however, we need to start looking at the free market and finding the solutions to make our party work better. So I kind of took a page from Fortune 500 companies where the CEO is outward facing determining the overall message and reaching out to new customers and pushing the brand forward. The chief operating officer or the COO is really what we would have as a vice chair. They're making sure that they look inward. They're looking at the operational aspects of it. Now, the way that everything is worded right now is that the vice chair is there to assist the chair in whatever duties that they need. So every single term, that that set of duties can be completely different. And it doesn't help anything because there's no consistency in the position. It's like if all of a sudden you walked into a business and said, well, um, your boss is really good at X, so you're going to do Y. Then a couple of weeks later, your boss goes, does something else or goes to a different company. And now all of a sudden you have a new boss, but they're really good at Y. Now, all of a sudden, you've got two people doing why, and then now you're thrown into the weeds uh, because there's nobody doing X, or you have to all of a sudden learn how to do X, and you're still screwed. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, really difficult. And if we had clearly defined roles for chair, vice chair, treasurer, we already have pretty defined roles for secretary. It's the one exception to everything because... Robert's rules is very clear about what a secretary is, does, sure. and, and should, uh, should do. Um, 
And then those fill-in positions really are going to come in with regional reps, with at-large, uh, and those are really going to, to bring up the committees and, and all of that and really bring in various different skills that can, uh, that'll make the party better. But we need the executive board to have a far more defined responsibility if we're going to push liberty forward. Because if you get into a job and you know what's expected of you, first of all, you're going to have better candidates running for those positions that are more qualified to do that job. And then also on top of that, you're going to have a faster turnaround and there isn't going to be this trying to feel everyone out and figure out how you fit in. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge uh, detriment. And that's one of the things that I have really loved working with Angela up to this point, because we've had a strong working relationship for over a year now. We know how each other works. We already know what's in each other's wheelhouse. And we know that we'll make sure that we complement each other and push everything forward. And that's why I'm really excited to work with Angela in the future. Yeah, and she is just awesome through and through. She's a great person, and she's solid on all the issues, and she's a very, very great speaker as well. So it's great that you two have a great working relationship. But what I kind of noticed about, excuse me, um, the whole deal there is that you're kind of looking to have these roles be consistent, right, over time, where our philosophy is very consistent as well. So when you have this kind of consistency throughout the roles and obviously your principles in what you believe, then it's um, it's very easy for the LNC to be on one straight path rather than, like you said, every couple of years, well, we're, we're changing up what we're doing because now there's a different person in charge. It's probably a lot better if, okay, you two already know you two work together. You're really good at this one thing. She's good at another thing. You guys can do your own thing. And then, you know, the next people should, you know, anything happen to you guys, you guys step down, then, you know, the roles are already clearly laid out, the next best person comes up, and then they fill in the spot. So I think that's really, really good. And I think that's needed in the party to kind of keep things rolling forward, because it just seems like the Liberty or the Libertarian Party has just been kind of spinning, spinning its wheels for more than long enough, like we need to do something because, you know, it's, it seems like we're almost hitting that crisis point. Actually, we'll probably be on crisis point, but you know, we got to do something. Oh, absolutely. So, um, we're about a month out from convention. Um, have, um, what conventions have you gone to, um, in the last couple of months? And, uh, have you spoke to a lot of the uh, activists? Yes, I have talked to a lot of activists. I'm an organized person, uh, so uh, yeah, I, I've traveled the country. Uh, <laughs> I've color coded everything, uh, but no, I mean I've been to California, uh, Texas, Kansas, uh, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio is coming up, um, uh, New Jersey. Uh, uh, I was in New Hampshire, and that's uh, that's not just this year. That that's over the 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 um uh the last year and a half two years uh so uh i i've crisscrossed the the country i've gone to i want to say 16 uh no uh 14 14 conventions this year wow uh so i've i've been all over the country uh 
frequent flyer miles is uh is something that i'm enjoying right now yeah uh but uh no i mean it it's it's been a it's been a tough road but um it's uh it's amazing because you hear on social media all of this loggerheads and you know like infighting and then you actually get to the states and every single state i've been to there's people working together and making liberty happen and it's phenomenal so the the shoe doesn't fit the narrative really but i mean obviously there are states where that's going on where there are huge problems uh you know uh delaware massachusetts new hampshire new hampshire is pretty much resolved at this point uh but uh with a couple of little exceptions uh but uh no i mean there's there's a lot to to still do there are some touch points uh but overall the vast majority of states everyone's working together they're driving forward and it's it's starting to click i mean yeah okay there's a lot of uh loggerhead in in pennsylvania uh but you're still driving forward you're still having success yeah. uh you know, look at how many people you've elected to to local libertarian positions, and that's where that's the thing that's going to make the change. You know, uh, the first position that the Republicans ever got elected was dog catcher. Uh, a couple of years later, they had president. So you know, it was it's it's a when when the voter has the trust to know that you're going to do a good job. And you can get them the street sign that they need or the stop sign to make sure that people aren't, you know, racing through or, you know, you make sure that they have a little bit more money in their pocket or whatever, whatever issue it might be. Uh, you roll back the sheriff's department and someone's able to get a firearm and actually protect themselves from a home intruder uh whatever whatever it might be and you've now earned the trust of the people we'll be in the white house in no time flat i mean it's it that's one of the things in north carolina we say all the time all politics is local mm -hmm. and that's exactly what it is you you get local voted on to the local community boards the local city councils local county commissions whatever and you make a positive impact on people they're going to want to put someone who's very much like you or you yourself into a higher position so you can make more change for the better in their lives. Yeah, and that's kind of where I feel another place where I hope this podcast is hopefully help people is um, encouraging people to kind of get out there and be active locally because we need to be leaders of the community if we're ever expecting to grow this movement because we can't just be a bunch of people who've read every single libertarian literature out there right because nobody cares about that i hate to say it other than the other people that go to your libertarian meeting nobody cares but you know what people do care about things like you said their you know their roads their taxes whether or not they can enjoy certain things in the you know peace and quiet of their own home um those things matter to people. So um, to my friends, uh, Tommy Sammons and Jeremy Todd always uh, talk about this quote from Carnegie and they say, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's hugely important. So in order for us to really grow the movement, in my opinion, we need to not only let people know that we care, but we also need to be people who are worthy of 
you know, giving off influence because we need people. People aren't just going to invest in the ideas just because we present them a certain way, right? We have to be people worthy of that influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if you're a business owner, join your uh, local uh, commerce department or your local like uh, business organization. Uh, if you are involved in civics, you know, join one of your other local organizations, either the Lions or the Rotary or, or whatever. Get involved in your community. It'll be amazing that when or if you decide to run for office, those types of connections and those relationships that you build in those early stages are going to make your run that much more powerful. So you're absolutely right, 100% that we need to be involved in our communities and then our communities will thank us by putting us into office. Absolutely. And I always kind of think back to uh, Ron Paul on this is that um, think about what he did. He had birthed so many thousands of babies around his district in uh, Texas. Do you think they ever would have voted him out? And he never voted for a tax increase. I mean, there's something really to be said about somebody who stood on principle as much as him and also had been such a, you know, key part in a community. And I think that's where all libertarians need to take a note. It's not just the fact that he was principled and solid on everything, but the fact that people knew him and people loved him. And I think a lot of people miss that when they look at the phenomena that was the Ron Paul revolution and his, you know, Congress or um, his presence within the Congress is just the fact that his district loved him so much because once again, he raised all these people. And I think that's how we sustain freedom over the long term is to have families, cultures, societies, communities that are rooted in these beliefs that we all share. And, you know, it's teaching to our kids, and obviously not forcing on them, but, you know, teaching them that, hey, this is the best way to do things and allowing people to have these freedoms that we cherish and that we want to see um, that's going to produce the most human flourishing. No, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, it isn't just one aspect of, of the Ron Paul revolution. It was a whole revolution. It was a whole new way of looking at the liberty movement and driving forth uh, uh, forward liberty. Uh, and we need to not just focus on one aspect of it, but we need to embrace the entire revolution to move forward. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so we've been going for a little bit here. Um, we'll head on a few more topics and we'll wrap up. Um, how are you feeling going into convention? I feel strong. Uh, you know, I've, I'm lucky that I've had great supporters. Uh, I'm fully funded at this point, uh, and I've had that level of support uh, to make sure that I can go around the country talking about who I am, what my vision is. Um, obviously, if, if you think that I'm what's best for the, for the party, I would still really appreciate additional donations. Obviously, there's more to be done. Uh, and every donation that I receive, uh, I, uh, I make sure that I match dollar for dollar. So if you give $10, I'll put in $10 of my own money. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to, to stand with me if I'm not going to stand up too. So uh, I make sure that I do that. Um, it's really important to me as well. Um, 
but uh, so I've been really lucky with that. Uh, wherever I go, I've had great support. People really are excited about my message, the fact that I have a strategic plan and they can see what they're going to get when I'm there. Uh, so that type of support, that type of uh, acceptance and excitement about the future of the Libertarian Party, I think is really great. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some struggles at the, at the convention uh, itself, but I think we're going to work past those quickly and we're going to have a phenomenal time in Reno. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be also on the convention committee. That's why I wasn't in Pennsylvania this year. I was actually in Reno making sure that we're ready for national convention. Uh, so I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to be there, but making sure the next step is, is ready to go. Uh, so that was really exciting. But uh, there's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of great speakers uh, and a lot of exciting stuff that's going to be happening in Reno. So I'm really excited, not just for the convention itself, but everyone who's delegates to be there. Uh, working together and pushing forward liberty, and hopefully, uh, I'm 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 confident that I'll be the next vice chair of the party. So uh, a lot of great stuff there. Awesome, yeah. And I, uh, man, I'm like kicking myself in the ass so much because I really wish I could be there. But between getting married this year and uh, just everything I got going on, I just there's just no way I could make it. And it sucks because this is going to be a huge freaking year, but. There's just no way I could pull it off this year, unfortunately. Well, in two years from now, it's in Washington, D.C. I hope to see you there. So, uh, oh, absolutely. Well, if you're in Pennsylvania, then uh, I'll yeah. definitely be at the next convention. I'd okay, I, I will. I will definitely. I should be at the next Pennsylvania convention as long as it's not the North Carolina convention the same weekend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hopefully not. So, uh, I got three questions I ask um, every guest before mm -hmm. we get out of here. So we'll start off with the first one. Eric, what does liberty look like to you? Liberty is the ability to do what you want to do and what's right for you in your life. No ability to have anyone judge you for that. It is your life and you are the master of your ship and the captain of your future. And that is exactly what needs to happen. And of course, I just absolutely messed up that Invictus quote. <laughs> But uh, so reverse that you are the captain of your ship and the master of your fate. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, that is that's really important. That's what liberty is. Uh, it is the ability to make your choices for your life. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what does health look like to you? What does health look like? That also is your choices. You know, if you want to have experimental drugs that, you know, are going to make your life better because, you know, some high on government organization doesn't say that it's safe for you yet, but it's something that you feel strongly about to put into your body so you can fight cancer or uh, some other disease, you know, you should have access to it. You should probably have to sign a waiver. So, you know, the, you can't go back and sue the, the drug company. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you should have the right to choose your medical, uh, path, uh, that should be able to, uh, enter into agreements with your doctor, like concierge medicine or, or direct primary care. You can avoid insurance companies to get all together. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, if you feel like you're you're uh, suffering from uh, 
any type of psychological disorder, uh, disorder and you need to have uh, hallucinogens uh, to, to re-regulate yourself, like a lot of individuals with PTSD or the use of marijuana. That's your choice. That is something that makes your health life better and healthier. That is your choice and your ability. And that's what medical uh, liberty looks like. Awesome. Well, uh, Eric, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody support you? So you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on predominantly on Facebook. And if you wish to donate, uh, you can direct, contact me directly or you can become a Patreon uh, supporter. Links will be included uh, uh, on your uh, podcast. So uh, absolutely, I look forward. Uh, if you reach out to me uh, via email or via uh, Facebook Messenger, I will always answer every single question. Uh, I am I'm ultimately here to serve you and the Libertarian Party. Our membership is key. It is what makes up the Libertarian Party. And if you ask me the question, I will definitely give you the time and the respect to answer that question. Awesome. Well, uh, it was a blast talking to you, and um, I'm thankful you could come on. Um, I guess that wraps it up, man. Uh, awesome. Thank you for having me, and uh, it has been an absolute joy to be on this uh, discussion with you today. Of course. All right, everybody. Until next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.